Proof that anyone can have a sports show. Wow. <laughs> Electric bouillabaisse right from Jump Street. Adam Crowley. What's up, players? On ESPN Pittsburgh. Uh, it's just in. Joel Embiid going to play tonight for the 76ers. So it is now Embiid playoff mask season. Great. Something good can happen to Philadelphia. Because FYI, they're losing tomorrow. And J-Mo tonight, he's going to shove it right up Jake Arrieta's ass. Embiid wearing the mask, it's like the phantom of the process. Go ahead and cut that out for the bad joke of the year there, Tom. Yeah, Already way ahead of you. That's that's a bad one. That's as bad as it gets. That's I stole it, too, so how bad is that? You stole I it? I stole that joke, too, what? yeah. Why would you steal that? I don't know. Phantom of the Process? Hmm. 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 Tim Benz joins us now on the show from the Trib. Breakfast with Benz, the official vampire of the Crowley Show. Benzie, how are you? Phantom of the Process is much better than Earn Tomorrow. Oh, man, you are right about that. The Phantom of the Process, though, sounds like it would fit with the Flyers back when they were at the Spectrum, because the Spectrum had the Spectre and all that nonsense. They also, they also actually had the Phantoms. In fact, don't they still? Isn't, isn't the spe- is the Spectrum still up or is the Spectrum down? The Spectrum is down. Oh, okay, so the Phantoms play then at Wells Fargo just when the Flyers don't, or what do the Phantoms play now? Why are you asking me questions about minor league hockey, damn it? good point i probably shouldn't have gone down this path so quickly we should devolve to minor league hockey like we should get there at the end and just cut the line well i'm afraid now that we can't talk about the flyers without them being considered minor league hockey no yeah they looked minor league last night did they look beer league last night like they look beer league and you're just waiting for your time on the ice to expire so you can skate off no effort no guts uh, even by flyer standards, that's the kind of game where you expect the gong show to break out. Like the, the only thing that kept me interested in that game as it was grinding along, Adam, was is this the point where it gets to 2012? Are the Penguins actually winning by too much? <laughs> Have this, has this game in this series gotten so out of hand that the Flyers finally remember what their DNA history is and they turn to the fire, Flyers that they are known to be, that we know and loathe? But I guess the Radko Gudis of the world have even been neutered in that regard by taking out their own guys. Well, Matt Reed tried whenever he slashed Derek Broussard, but the Penguins weren't having any of that, and they just say, okay, we'll go to the power play. And I think that's the biggest difference between now and then. Well, maybe not. There's a lot of differences between now and then. The league's changed. The rosters have changed. But I think if the Flyers tried to get into that style of hockey, I think the Penguins would just skate away, most of them anyhow, and just take the power play. Here's the thing, too. Who can they afford to lose anymore that's going to be worthwhile of doing damage if they were to take out somebody from the Penguins? Like, you know, to your point, I guess, like, Matt Reed might be somebody who is a lesser player than Derek Broussard, but then who are they going to – I'm more comfortable with Riley Shane going up to the third line and the Penguins not losing the beat, and Matt Reed, even though he's not all that good, as, as fragile as this Flyer team is, they'd probably miss him more somehow. You know what I mean? Like, that's – that's the state of affairs the Flyers have gotten themselves into. Yeah, dude, when I saw that Valtteri Filppula today in practice was on that top line and they were using Nolan Patrick on the second line, I laughed audibly. I mean, they're, they're, they've got good young players. I like Provorov. I like Goss Despair. Look, Drew had 102 points in 82 games. 
They've got some players, but boy, their depth is just non-existent. And to your point, Tim, their guts are not there either. I was stunned, stunned that they did not come out on all cylinders like they did in Game 3. Stunned. They didn't show up until there was, what, nine minutes left in the period? That's the first time they got a pulse? Whenever they they got that long rally going, when they had the puck in the offensive zone for a minute and 14 seconds, and then what happened? <laughs> Immediately thereafter was the play where Phil and Gino just worked their magic. You brought up Gosses there before. I mean, maybe you like his overall game, but I didn't like it last night. Oh, no, no. I mean, he made a bad decision on that play in particular, the Gino and Phil play. And then there was the moment later in the game where Sidney Crosby just abused him and kept him away from the puck and shield him like he wasn't even there. Like, Sid didn't have to work hard on that one, on that goal. Um, I was just amazed at the amount of space. There was just so much white out there. There was so much ice out there. I mean, I, I said this on my podcast, The Breakfast of the Benz. I felt like Chris Letang was, in a moment, kind of like an, uh, an NBA player or a college basketball player who's got a free reign up to the free throw line. Yes. And he pulls up to take a three, and you're like, no, what are you doing? you got so much more room, and then he buries it anyway. Like, that was the Letang goal last night. He could have carried it all the way to the loop. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. It doesn't feel like a playoff series, does it, Tim? I've also thought that. I've also thought at times in this series that this isn't the proper prompt for what they're going to get next round. But then again, you might see Washington and Columbus both so physically exhausted, whoever survives that series, that they might be gassed too. Um, I think uh, I feel more secure now than I even was before when I predicted they would get to the Metro and into the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I really feel good about that now, and then let's see who they're matched up against in that final series. Yeah, Tim, I just think watching watching Columbus and Washington in overtime and and the pace of play and how the space dissolves in half a second, it, it just... It's a different game I'm watching right now, and the series have been so dissimilar in that every game's been a blowout. In their series, every game has gone to overtime, and I just feel if the Penguins finish this off on Friday, like you alluded to, I feel a lot better about their chances as well. Let's move on to the topic du jour, the topic of the day, Tim. Crosby versus Lemieux. Why do I have to pick one, man? Why can't I just appreciate them both for being great? I just want to know why everybody's talking about it now when I wrote about it after Crosby got his 400th goal two months ago. I remember that. You brought it up on the show. I stole it as a topic. Yeah, now you're stealing it again from other people who have stolen it as a topic. But I'm saying something different. I'm you know zigging. What? That makes you, Adam, that makes you the phantom of the process. Uh, jeez. <laughs> uh, I made a bad joke on Twitter, I think, last night when I said, no wonder they call Gostas Bear Ghost because Crosby just walked through him like he was Casper. I like that. That was pretty good. And uh, I think he's a ghost because he hasn't shown up in this series. He can call Giroux the ghost, too. Dude, if I was a Flyers fan, I'd be done with Hackstall and I'd be done with Giroux. And I'd be stupid for being done with Giroux. But I'd be fed the freak up with this guy. He had 102 points, Hart Trophy contender, and all of a sudden he's a minus seven with one measly assist in the series. I haven't noticed him at all apart from the power play, and they haven't done junk on that either. I wouldn't be done with Giroux as a player if he was on a better team where he didn't have to be the best guy. Yeah. 
Like he's a second liner on a good team. If he's if he's your best player, then you're not going to advance. And I don't know. I mentioned this too on the podcast. I don't know if you agree with this. This these flyer teams that have been good lately, but not Eastern Conference final caliber, not NHL Stanley Cup final caliber. They're like the Steelers teams of the mid eighties or the early nineties where they were just good enough in every other area and then they don't have the goaltending like those Steelers teams didn't have the quarterback. Like as good as they are on their best night, the goaltending is always going to be such a question that it's going to trip them up somewhere along the way. And that's the way it was for the Steelers and quarterbacks for so many years before well, the Spurs out here. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. And we had Greg Wyshynski on a little bit earlier on in the show uh, from ESPN, and we were talking about the Flyers and their trajectory. And I think they've got good young players. I mean, I already brought that up, Nolan Patrick and, and go on, so so on and so forth. But the goaltending is always going to hold them back. Until they decide to go within the organization and try to grow someone, as opposed to go out and try to pluck someone, they're going to continue to have problems. You can't have patchwork quarterbacks in the NFL, unless I guess you're the Denver Broncos and you can't really do the patchwork goaltending thing, especially if it's been since 75, since you won anything. And to your question earlier about Sid and Mario, since we glossed Oh, yeah. That, you want to talk about that some more? Yeah. How old are you, by the way? 27. Oh, you're 27. So how old were you then when they won their first cup? I was two. You were, you were two? Yes. But I'm familiar. Yeah, I know, but there's... See, you're, so who would you pick then? Who, who's better, Sid or Gino? Go Don't ahead. you make me do that. Don't no, you do that to it. me. I mean, I, I think Lemieux is the best player of all time, if I can be honest. Okay, but you don't know that because you were two and he had already had, what, like eight 100-point seasons under his belt. Like, you, see, you're suffering. This is exactly where I was going with this thought. You're suffering from Lemieux, inherited, inherent Lemieux bias like I have Clemente bias. Hmm. I never saw Clemente play, but my dad did. So since my dad did, I was informed nobody will ever be as good as Clemente. Sure. Barry Bonds could have stayed here, you know, doused the Allegheny in flaxseed oil and bathed in it every night, hit 700 home runs as he took PNC Park into the new era, won three World Series for Pittsburgh, and he was never going to be Clemente. Um, I, I think the, that, age, that reverse age bias, like people think we're such prisoners of the moment that we only appreciate what we see, but in Pittsburgh, it's like... Now, there are kids out there that think Rocky Blyer was Gale Stairs because their dad remembers Super Bowl. <laughs> right. You know? And well, I'm one of those kids. <laughs> Tim, I think, I think you're, this is why you're so good at this because you set me up there. Here's what would have happened. If I would have said Crosby, you would have been like, oh, recency bias. But if I say Lemieux, oh, no, no, reverse ageism. You set up a little trap and you push me in the hole. But I'm not criticizing. You're exactly right. I would have done that. Yeah. But I'm not criticizing. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I just would have gone and whatever. It's just all the ways is what I'm saying. Well, I think the best thing about being a Penguins fan, and I'm unabashedly a, a Penguins fan, is that you know we get to see both those guys. And look, I mean, I only saw Lemieux Yager in between at the height of his powers. Right. It's just, man, we're never going to see it again. We're not. I mean, in all likelihood, I guess it could, I guess Lightning could strike a what fourth, fifth time, but. This is the time where you just got to grab that thing by the haunches and plow away at it, if you know what I'm saying. I do. And now I've got an image in my head that's, you know, a little bit disconcerting as it relates to hockey players. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, I think people have asked before, when is the Sid and Gino thing going to come to an end? Uh, like, how, how long can they milk it? And my response is, you know, maybe you keep it together for another three to four years and, 
at that point, uh, they'll never trade Crosby. Crosby will always be here. Um, he'll retire here. They have to have it that way. But if they need to trade Malkin in his mid-30s to secure the next Sid to follow him up like Sid did for Mario, and they see a Nathan McKinnon or a Philip Forsberg or, dare I say it after what I've seen this year in the playoffs, the next Artemi Panarin, uh, like that's where you use Gino as a way to get the next Sid in here. And whether or not he is the next Sid, you turn him into that because Pittsburgh needs to believe it's seeing the best player in the world to appreciate hockey. It's unfortunate, but, you know, they even had it for a while when it was Jogger, and they didn't come out like they did for Mario and Sid. So, you know, they, they have to believe they've got the absolute best at all times to be as engaged as the fan base as we want them to be. Yeah, watching Devils fans go ape bleep over Taylor Hall just makes me realize how lucky we are. Uh, to, to, to your point, I... But they believe it. Right, they yeah. like Philadelphia fans believed Laviolette when they when he said we've got the best player in the world. Someone was defending. I don't remember who it was. Some national person was defending Giroux today, saying, "Oh, he didn't say the baton stuff." I don't care what Carcitti said. His coach said he was the best player in the world. And he had 102 points this year. He deserves all the criticism he's going to get. Oh, you mean just for the way he's playing? Yeah, he's terrible yeah. right now. He doesn't. He's play, yeah. He, you don't have to qualify, well, he had 102 points, so dot, dot, dot. That, that doesn't matter. He's just he's not playing well, and he's not playing hard either. No, and I think there are three instances you can point to right away. Uh, the Malkin goal where he comes out of the penalty box in game one. Well, Crosby winning the faceoff and him losing Dumoulin, and that was supposed to be his guy. That's number two. And then in this game, when Crosby dunked it, Giroux had an opportunity there, too, and he just just, he just doesn't look interested in it right now. Is Neuber still looking around the net the wrong way? I imagine he is. That was just comical. I mean, like there have been comically bad flyer moments this series. And look, we're talking about this. I, I felt the same way about the freaking Rangers when they were up 3-1, so we got to be careful here. Yeah, Tim. I th- although I just I, I don't think this Penguin team is wired like that Penguin no. team. I, I don't think this Penguin team will allow for that to happen. No, I don't either. Uh, and I, I think they're going to be fine. I think they end it tomorrow. My favorite thing about the Sidney Crosby dunk is what we've been calling it here is that when they went back to the huddle where they're all you know celebrating, uh, they were all thinking, "Man, that guy sucks!" Right? I mean, each of those yeah. players yeah, was were. thinking at that moment, "These guys suck. That goalie sucks. It's over. It's done." Uh, Every day, I wake up with two things, an erection and breakfast with Ben's. Thanks for providing both, Tim. Uh, You can't have one without the other. In fact, we're thinking about making that the tagline moving forward. Yes. See you, bud. All right, later. Tim Ben's, the trip. Love that guy. Breakfast with Ben's every single morning on the trip. Seriously, I wake up. I'm in bed. Before I wake up, before I take the dog out, scrolling through, and I'm stealing all his ideas and takes. Up next... Josh gets off the Penguins Radio Network. It's the Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Tomorrow, 
7 o'clock, ESPN Pittsburgh. They're going to put a dagger through them bitches. Got a tweet here from Mark who says, Tim and Crowley talking sounds like Crowley interviewing himself. Yins do sound alike. Here's the deal. Tim's educated. He went to Syracuse, the Newhouse School of Journalism. I went to WVU. I can barely get a coherent thought out. Well, I appreciate that. Josh Getzoff does not have a problem getting anything out. Ho, ho, ho. He from the Penguins Radio Network. Josh, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. What's going on, Adam? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, thank you very much for coming on. I'm more surprised by Giroux's line not playing well than I am about just about anything else in this series. Not that I thought they were going to play great going up against Crosby's line, but... He had 102 points in the regular season. This guy could have been a Hart Trophy winner. He could still be a Hart Trophy winner. What's going on there? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just been the, the unbelievable series that Sidney Crosby's having. Uh, Genny Malkin's obviously played extremely well as well. And, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, Adam, that Claude Giroux in the postseason, and I'm not sure if you talked about this. I'm sure you probably have touched on this to an extent on your show already. Uh, but he hasn't really been a dominant postseason player since that series against the Penguins uh, in 2012. I believe it's now 11 straight playoff games. He hasn't scored a goal. He only has two points in those 11 games, and they're both on the power play. They're both assists. So, I mean, as far as what he's been able to do production-wise, it's kind of been a significant drop-off for him once he hits the postseason. And uh, I don't know if there's a real clean answer to that because some of the teams he's gone up against are also strong down the middle. You think about the Capitals a couple years ago, uh, obviously the Penguins this year, but this is in a totally different kind of series for me from my perspective, and I agree with you. He's just been totally non-existent, uh, and obviously him playing on the wing, you thought would maybe kickstart him or free up a little bit more space uh, against the Penguins, but I think you have to give also a little bit of credit to Chris Tang because the Penguins defenseman pretty much been having Giroux come down that wing on him for a lot of the series, and as a result, he's been fairly silent. So I think it's a kind of a team effort in shutting him down, but Clearly, Latang and Crosby are two of the bigger ones. Josh Getzoff joining us here on the Crowley Show. I was stunned by their start last night, Josh. I expected more along the lines of what we saw from the Flyers in game number three. And really, uh, I don't think the Penguins thoroughly dominated them in the first ten minutes, but they were clearly the better team. Oh, they were. Yeah, there's no question about it. I think it's really interesting to watch how that game went because I agree with you. You thought the Flyers were going to come out with some kind of extra oomph in their game just because of the situation at hand. I mean, no one wants to be down 3-1 in the series, let alone when you're shifting back to Pittsburgh and you've already lost the first game in your building and you haven't beaten the Flyers at home all season, or excuse me, the Penguins at home all season. You can kind of see and understand why the Flyers would put some um, urgency in their game early. But I thought the way the Penguins came out was a clinical, and I thought their effort the entire game was of that variety as well. I mean, they were able to roll all four lines pretty much from the get-go. They got a couple really strong early shifts from the uh, – Kunakel, Shea-Ann, Aston, Reese line that I think were critical in them uh, kind of taking over the game. And then obviously you get the power play goal early, and that's a product uh, in drawing that penalty from the fourth line. So I think what what, uh, that group was able to do, and really the Penguins overall in that contest last night, they were able to just play the game they wanted to play. And the Flyers, I don't know, it was interesting, Adam, to watch that game. Philly has lost some big games at home before. There's no question about that. But Last night was the first time in a long time that I can remember not seeing any real kind of pushback from them or any real kind of uh, 
you know, second opportunity or second effort from them. They kind of mailed it in a bit. That's what it looked like, how that game went on. And I think there's a little bit of frustration just in the sense of watching what the Penguins have been able to do to them now back-to-back games. There's uh, probably the reality kind of sinking in here. Okay, where do we go from here? How do we even get a goal past these guys, let alone beat them? As a Penguins fan, there is no better sound to me, Josh, than hearing those fans boo. Uh, there really isn't. <laughs> and, and I think they were on them early. You were there. Uh, what was the atmosphere like? Uh, it was tense, honestly. It was tense in the sense of uh, the fans were pretty angry, as, as you could probably uh, hear on the television. They, you know, they're they're pretty impatient in Philadelphia. They they tend to boo the officials when they first come on the ice before the Penguins even get out there. Uh, there's there's a lot going on as far as their reasons for being upset during a game. But number one last night was their team. I mean, the, the Flyers just didn't have it last night and uh, really haven't had it all series against the Penguins, save game two. Uh, but when you look at that atmosphere in there last night, I think the Penguins pretty much sucked it out from that early goal on. There was no reason for the fans to get excited. The Flyers had that one surge, uh, I guess, just past the midway point of the first period. Matt Murray made some saves. I wouldn't even call them big saves because there wasn't any real high or weren't any, I should say, real high-quality shots within that kind of barrage that the, the Flyers had there sustained in the Penguins' zone. But uh, they go the other way, the Penguins, after five minutes of that and score on their next shot. And that's Phil Kessel's goal that goes through the five-hole and Brian Elliott. So I think that really sucked any kind of hope out of the building. And then the hope turned to anger. And uh, we all know how that escalates fairly quickly on the eastern side of the state. <laughs> Josh gets up joining us here on the Crowley Show. All right, now for the $100 million question. Who's better, Sidney Crosby or Mario Lemieux? I'm just kidding. Oh, we're, not, we're, not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not doing that here, Gets Up. I've heard that on every show I've listened to today, and I don't want to play that game. What I do want to say is, why do we have to even discuss it? Why, why can't we just talk about the fact that Crosby has helped his team win three cups? Mario Lemieux won two. He's now the owner. We're never going to see a stretch like that ever again, forgetting hockey, but in any sport here in this town. So just soak it up. Enjoy it. I'm with you. And you know what? That'd be an even better point than your cheese teas today. And that's saying something because your cheese teases are unbelievable. Thank you, sir. my favorite thing on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, but that, I, I agree with you. You know what? That's what I'm saying. These conversations about who's better need to go back to the team, I think. You're looking at, in my opinion, Mario Lemieux being the greatest player of all time, yeah. if not 1B behind Bobby Orr, I think, not Wayne Gretzky. Uh, and then you go to um, – Sidney Crosby, what he's been able to do, clearly the best player of this generation. Stats uh, um, back that up as far as what he's been able to do for the Penguins and over his career, even internationally with Canada. So I think when you look at those two guys and the success that they've had, and then you kind of drift out with the supporting cast they've had, and I use supporting cast lightly because there's some Hall of Famers in those supporting <laughs> casts with what we've had here in Pittsburgh and uh, Evgeny Malkin and uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, before he left in the expansion draft, he's definitely going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, that ambulance that just drove by. Yeah, don't get pulled over, gets off. I was worried yeah, there that you're getting yanked. I'm walking here on the sidewalk, you know, and it's cold outside. I can't even catch my breath as I'm talking to you. But anyway, <laughs> uh, this is uh, this is a group and a team and an organization that I think has, has kind of been spoiled with the uh, players they've had here. And to just say in the same organization, you've seen a Lemieux and a Yager and a um, – uh, Crosby and a Malkin and a Joey Mullen and Ron Francis. I mean, it, the list goes on. It's, it's an unbelievable group of players that have worn the black and gold. And uh, I don't know if you're going to pick favorites or anything like that as much as you just embrace the uh, the ultra amazingness that has been the star power that have been in the Penns organization.
Josh, if I were to say, of course, Sidney Crosby's been the best player in this series, is it that far of a stretch to say that maybe Brian Dumoulin's been the second best player for the Penguins? I'm glad you said that because I'm right there with you. I mean, this is a guy, and anyone who's watched him this year, I know you have uh, closely, Adam, but anyone who's watched this Penguins team, Brian Dumoulin has been the most consistent defenseman. Maybe Ole Matta's right there behind him, but uh, Dumoulin, I think, based on what he was given this summer, to be given a six-year extension at what now looks like a bargain deal, just over $4 million a year, uh, and to play top minutes every night, to play against the top forward or top six forward every single night and have to step up and shut them down because the Penguins, during the regular season, this series would speak otherwise, but during the regular season, we're not afraid to yield some pretty high-quality opportunities to opposing players. Uh, and Brian Dumoulin was the man in charge of shutting a lot of that down, and I think the, the offensive side, obviously, of his game has hit another level here in the playoffs that's continued for him. Um, and I just, I've been really impressed by him. I, I think that this is a guy that, you know, he's only 26 years old. That's the, it's the Ole Madden line right there that we always used to learn, you say about Ole when he'd have his struggles the last couple of seasons. Except Dumoulin never really had any struggles. He kind of jumped in two years ago, his first full year, uh, in the NHL. He goes and wins the Stanley Cup as a basically third line, second line, maybe teetering pair guy. Last year, him and Ron Hainsey were tremendous in the postseason. And now this year, you know, him and Chris Letang have, morphed into a top pair. They've been together pretty much the whole season, and I don't see any time soon that he's going to be jumped off that pair. He's getting some penalty kill uh, time and some heavy penalty kill time at that and doing a good job in that situation as well. So I think it's been overall a pretty impressive effort from Dumoulin, and you have to hope it continues on. But again, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't. Josh Getzoff joining us here on the Crowley Show. Josh, we can talk all we want about a short series being good for an eventual cup champion. I do think that there's some merit in that, certainly. But how about the games that we've seen in this series? They've all been blowouts, so Crosby's playing about 15 minutes last night. Uh, really, nobody played much more than 15 minutes, save for Dumoulin and Chris Letang, who po- both played above 24 minutes. But uh, i got to think that that's great for this team, too, to be able to rest these guys in the midst of a game. Yeah, I think it's huge. I think that that has given the the Penguins an opportunity to roll all four lines, which I know is such a cliche line, but Mike Sullivan loves doing that. Uh, he he is predicated on getting some flow within his bench and getting some strong play from the fourth line. And you know that I think was a big question for this team coming into the postseason because they hadn't really had a chance to get four lines intact with some of the injuries they had down the stretch. First, it was uh, Zach Aston Reese when he was starting to find his stride. Then, obviously, Broussard missed the last handful of games for the playoffs. So I think you were trying to mix and match and figure out what was going to work when you came to the postseason. And Penguins, I mean, as we saw, obviously, a couple of ga- uh, games ago in game one, really hit the ground running and meant some with what they were able to do in that first game against Philly. And uh, I think when you, when you look at this group, and, and as you mentioned, you're seeing some of your bigger names not logging a ton of minutes, not really logging a physical toll either, I would say. This series has not really had the bite um, of past Flyers-Penguin series, and I think that's because the Flyers are not the Flyers that people want them to be anymore. They're more of a speed and skill team. They're not going to punch you in the face like the teams in the past would, uh, and the Penguins have been able to skate right past them and outskill them. So I think that's why the series has been so lopsided through the first four games. But um, when you look at what it does for the Penguins, I think it's huge. And I think you have an opportunity here tomorrow night, if you can take care of business, to watch Columbus and Washington continue to beat the crap out of each other and hopefully play more multiple overtime games and uh, drain each other out. And then hopefully you're looking at a pretty good situation for yourselves come round two if you can get the job done against the Flyers. 
We got a smoky report. Just got someone calling in. We haven't done one yet on the show today. Just give us one second here, Josh. He's bound and down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? Breaker Breaker 1-9 got a city kitty in full dress, spitting discos, and hanging papers behind the Waddlebird's chattel box. Jo- Josh gets off, so slow your roll and don't you fly, because they're about to rest our play-by-play guy. It's the Smoker Report. You see a Miss Piggy, Mama Bear, Papa Bear, Bear in the Bushes, or a Bear in the Air? You give us a holler, and we'll get you home without that extra freight. And you remember, always keep that shiny side up and your skin's on the ground. He's pounding down. Hey, you didn't get arrested, right, Josh? <laughs> no, that's unbelievable, though. <laughs> There's some going on. That I heard, I think I just heard a tire peel out behind you just now. Yeah, it was a car that just drove by. I mean, maybe, yeah, based on the car, I'm going to go with he probably had his wheels moving a little quickly. <laughs> get the hell inside, gets off, all right, man? <laughs> all right, I'll try my best. Hey, appreciate you taking the time, buddy. I will. Thanks, guys. Wrapping things up here at Wrigley Field today, the Cubs beat up on the Cardinals 8-5. to Hey! Great to see the Cubs resident-owned pink lady Anthony Rizzo back in the lineup. Stalker Channing, of course, playing the lovely Betty Rizzo in the classic Grease. They used to call her the stock market because her acting career had more ups and downs than an elevator. I don't know. Anyway, coming up next on the show... We're going to dive right into a volcano with the hottest take of the day. And Adam's got more other craps than me on chilly night here at the ballpark. Stay tuned. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, 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 Were you trying to get crazy with this thing? Don't you know I'm loco? We interrupt our regularly scheduled program for this breaking news update on ESPN Pittsburgh. Patrice Bergeron, not going to play tonight for the Boston Bruins. He's part of that bad-ass line that has been taking over the playoffs. Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak. Uh-oh, we got the series! That's great news for the Penguins. In the East, you want the series to go as long as possible. And frankly, I think you want Boston to get knocked out. I think the Penguins could beat anybody in the Eastern Conference, including Boston, But I think that they would prefer not to have to play them. They play a straight-line game. They're physical. They also have scoring pedigree. Back end's not great, but they're difficult to play against. Tampa Bay, not so much. They play exactly like the Penguins. They're just worse at it. today looking for other craps and I saw the headline for the undefeated that read Lamar Jackson could change the NFL if he gets a chance 
Unbelievable! Isn't that what the media does all the time now these days? Eh, we get it all the time. This could happen, but it might not. Lamar Jackson could change the league if he gets a chance. And now this writer, whoever it was, didn't click it, will be correct either way. Because if Lamar Jackson does change the NFL, then the NFL will have been changed, and this writer, he or she, would have been correct. If he doesn't, the argument of the writer, he or she, will be, oh, they never got the chance. Robert Griffin III had a really good rookie season. After that, he petered out, but people will argue, oh, Kirk Cousins was given the opportunity over him. It just, it's the, it's the, it's the worst! It's the worst! It's time for the hottest take of the day. Day, day, day. <laughs> Lamar Jackson can absolutely be a great player. But did Vic change the league? No. Vic played well. He didn't open the door for other quarterbacks to come in and do the same thing. RG3 didn't change the league, did he? He was a running quarterback week one and league not changed. Did Kaepernick change the league? Yeah, he made us all realize just how racist the league was, but apart from that, no, he did not change the league. We always talk about how a running quarterback can make things evolve. No, he can't. The athletes are too good. A running quarterback is never going to succeed in this league. Now, I think what the writer's trying to say, although I didn't read it like I already admit, is that he can play in the pocket and out of the pocket. But that's not new. Ben Roethlisberger could play in the pocket and out of the pocket. Deshaun Watson could play in the pocket, outside of the pocket. A lot of quarterbacks in this league, Warren Moon, Doug Flutie, can play in and out of the pocket. Those guys were badass. So was Michael Vick. Newton, too. They don't change the game. Now, if they did, then they did. Not Jackson. If all those players having success is based off of Warren Moon and Doug Flutie having success, then they change the game. Not Jackson. Jackson can come in and do what they've all done. He's that good. But it doesn't change anything. It's just another great player playing great. Bang! That shiz is hot! I don't think that's any hotter, though, than NFL general managers saying that he's going to play wide receiver in this league. I mean, that is smoking piping hot. I don't like that. That's a black thing. My take, not a black thing. It's a mobility thing. And if he's going to drop back and throw the ball from the pocket the way that people say, oh, he can do, well, that's what everyone does. And if he's going to do that and also be mobile, well, okay, other players have done that too. So, eh, he ain't changing the game. He'll be good, I think. I think he might be the best quarterback in this class. How's that for a hot take? He might be the best. I know for shiz it ain't Josh Allen. What do you got there, Tom? That's a really hot take. I love it. Should I go with that as the hottest take? Yes. Is that yeah. maybe the hottest take of the yes, day? Yes, it is. All right. Sure. Well, I hit the music again then. It's time for the hottest take of the day. <laughs> day, day, day. <laughs> I'm like one of them dwarf stars that I just keep getting hotter and hotter and hotter as I go. I came with a hot media take. Then I got hotter off that take. And now I am about to explode with hotness. I'm about to shoot magma all up in this bitch. What was my take supposed to be, Tom? Lamar Jackson's the best quarterback. He's the best quarterback in this draft. 
There's no doubt in my mind he's the best quarterback in this draft. He can run and he can throw the ball from the pocket. In fact, I actually think he can change the game. I think he can change the way that football is played at a fundamental level. I think he's going to make it so difficult on defenses to stop him running that they're going to have to key on that, and then he's just going to throw the ball over the top. You're going to have to play only zone coverage against him. You go, man, oh my God, he's going to torch you. And he might have a little slash in him. He might play wide receiver and quarterback all in the same game. How are you going to plan for that when he walks out in the huddle? You don't got a chance. Not only is Lamar Jackson going to be better than Josh Allen and Rosen and Darnold. He's going to change the game. Going to change the way that the league looks at quarterbacks. You heard it here first. I'm undefeated. Woo! Other crap. I wouldn't rule out Josh Allen being good, though. I do think Josh Allen could maybe be the best quarterback in this class. What do you think, Tom? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Woo! Other crap. It could be Rosen, though. He's the chosen Rosen. Woo! That was so bad. Other crap. Darnold could be the best quarterback in the draft. I'm telling you. Other crap. This year is wild. I'm telling you right now that any of five different quarterbacks can be the best in the draft, and all of them could also not be starters in this league. Woo! Other crap. The Reds fired Price after a 3-15 and start to the season, but at what cost? Woo! Other crap. LeBron James scored 46 points, and Indiana was not able to keep pace. Woo! Other crap. LeBron says, who's your daddy? Woo! Other crap. Hey, LeBron, where were you game one, man? Woo! Other crap. Seriously, the best player ever is going to lose to a five seed? Woo! Other crap. Overrated. Woo! Other crap. He's no Jordan. Woo! Other crap. Nice hairline, man. Woo! Other crap. The Ducks were eliminated from playoff contention. Crazy animal, those Ducks, Adam. They always try to swim and look calm underneath, but on the surface, they're just... Back to you. Woo! Other crap. San Jose Vegas is going to be a hell of a series. Going to see a flurry of scoring chances. Woo! What happened? Other crap. We're going to need a bigger boat. Woo! Other crap. The NFL schedule will be released tonight. Check out that on Steelers Nation Radio. Rumor is the Steelers will play on Flag Day. Woo! Other crap. They'll play on Halloween. Woo! Other crap. Thanksgiving. Woo! Other crap. New Year's Eve. Woo! Other crap. Christmas. 
Woo! Other crap. Every damn Monday night. Woo! Other crap. And somehow still on Thursdays. Woo! Other crap. Joe Flacco says he's not worried if the Ravens draft a quarterback. I'd be scared if I were him because he sucks. Woo! Other crap. Yeah, the Patriots floated a rumor they'd be interested in Josh Rosen. I reported yesterday that Tom Brady's coming back, so that's not happening. Woo! Other crap. It's been 414 days since Pitts won a conference basketball game, which means it's time for three stars of the show. Third star. Tonight's third star of the show. Tim Benz! Yeah, they looked minor league last night. They looked beer league last night. Like, they looked beer league, and you're just waiting for your time on the ice to expire so you can skate off. No effort, no guts. Uh, Even by flyer standards, that's the kind of game where you expect the gong show to break out. Second star! Tonight's second star of the show, Greg Wyshynski! We got to bash Madden a little bit, right? <laughs> I don't want to punch down. Oh! <laughs> first star! And tonight's first star of the show, Josh Getza! I'm with you, and you know what? That'd be an even better point than your cheese teeth today. And that's saying something, because your cheese teas is unbelievable. Thank you, sir. they're my favorite thing on Twitter. Yeah! Uh, Good show today. It's good stuff. See what happens when you fight in the office? Oh, my God! It's a creative environment. We fight and we create. And it's a good little circle we got going on. Who let the dogs out? A circle of jerks, some would say. Who let the dogs out? Circle jerk. Well, we did make up. We did. Those Giants with Bonds and Jeff Kent, nice to fight all the time. They hit a whole bleep ton of home runs. Hey, tomorrow we're at Carson City Saloon. Before the Penguins beat the Flyers. See you tomorrow. Bitches.